Hello. How's everybody doing? So I can get my bearings here for a second. Thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, hopefully this is not a shocking news, right? We've been going through James. We're going to keep going today, and uh, we're going to end up uh, looking at verses 7 through 12. Uh, and I have some note sheets that uh, Josh Tremblay is going to hand out. If you haven't grabbed one, you can raise your hands, and, and he's offered to pass it around. Hopefully you have a pen. I have one I could throw at someone if you felt brave. On there as we get those, if you would turn with me, please, for James 5. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we'll focus this morning on, pick up on 7. So let's look here. It says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupt, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasures in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who moved your fields, who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure, and luxury. You have flattened your, fattened your hearts as in the days of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just, and you do not resist. And here we go, getting into, into verse 7. So therefore, all of that is built, right? Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. So as we look at those, there's two resounding themes that we're going to pay attention to today and, and look deeper into, and those are of patience and of suffering. Very cheery ones, just like we started verse 1 and, and, and everything with. So, um, you know, James, he's not for the, necessarily the faint of heart, doesn't always give you the warm fuzzies, man, but he really draws us out, right? We're not looking for the hug when we read James, more the gentle pat on the back of encouragement and, and movement, as it were, right? Um, so one of the things I wanted to share with you guys as I was reading this and, and preparing for the message, one of the things that I had like some, some mental associations of that I, I think are going to be somewhat common and I'd like to kind of maybe stomp on a little bit, if that's okay, is this idea of patience. And so uh, I have the idea of patience. So I've, I've not been a farmer, but I've worked as a lifeguarder, and I fancy myself as a hunter. The season just closed. We'll touch more on that later. Um, but when we think about these, I think often we can think about, you know, just, just, um, just kind of chilling, right? Just, um, just relaxing and waiting patiently, for something to happen, whether it be an emergency or a deer or a harvest, right? We're just, we're just waiting around, just sitting here. Maybe, maybe there's a thumb twaddle. I don't, I don't know what, what we do with our time, right? But as we look at James and as we look at the rest of the Bible, 
what I'm going to encourage us to really understand is that patience does not mean passivity. And that's something really careful that we should, we should touch on here. We want to understand that when, we're, when we do think about patience and waiting and that rest, I think that's fine and appropriate when we're talking about the manner or the attitude of our heart. Right? That doesn't mean that that should also be necessarily the posture of our body. But let me unpack that here for a minute, and I'll show you an example. If we go to Hebrews 6 and read, it says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So as, as we talk about patience and, and waiting, that waiting now becomes more like preparation. And so now it's, it's more in the lifeguards getting ready for a rescue or some target practice, right? Or, or practice harvesting with some little weeds maybe, you know? kind of what he's doing there, right? So it's all practice and preparation. But let's be careful. I'm not encouraging or saying that we should just like busy our time, right? We're not talking about being, being busy bodies. There, there should be a focus to our work, right? And James has given us two of them, even just in the, in the passage that we just covered. So if we go to James, let's back up as, as we back up. Go first to James 5, 9. It says, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And so that, that one another, I just finished uh, a shorter series of, of devotionals, and it was going through and paying attention to some of the one another's. And it's amazing what an integral part of our faith that is. So much so even that patience, maybe we can think about that as just, you know, sitting by ourselves or, or, or mentally just working through stuff by ourselves. But James is talking about, no, we need to extend that patience to one another, such that we're not, you know, we're not talking about, you know, focusing or, or majoring on the minors, if you've heard that kind of phrase before, or mountains out of molehills, right? What James is saying, what, watch, you're grumbling, he's not talking about squabbling, he's saying, put it into perspective, look at the end of the verse, behold, the judge is standing at the door, right? That's, like, foc- let's focus on what matters when the judge is standing at the door, because that's what we're patiently waiting for, And then as we look to ourselves, as we back up in verse 8, it says, you also be patient. Establish your hearts. So that establish, that's a, you know, when I think of that, I think of like, you know, planting a flag or maybe like laying a foundation. There's a base there and it's an important, right? So when you, when you put down an establishment, you have to start on, on the rock. And so when we think about that, you know, there's core, but very crucial practices that we are talking about to mature our faith and our relationship with God, and, you know, reading the word and prayer and worship. These aren't just words. These are, should be attitudes of our heart, right? And things that we are doing to establish our heart. So we're going we're gonna to keep reading and we're going to move here. We're going to transition in verse 10 from, from patience to suffering, from one cheer to another. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Grab some, some prophets here. Now, these are the major and minor prophets. It's not to say the totality of the prophets represented in the Bible. But as we look at some of these, I didn't want to like give you an eyeball chart about what some of these folks went through. But think about what they did go through, Right? No easy life was held by basically any one of these. 
what did they do, right? They spoke in the name of the Lord. That was their focus. They didn't put themselves there. They put his glory first and his name in the declaration of it. So when we come to suffering, we need to understand that it is not about self. And we're going we're gonna to see more of that here. Remember, when we, when we framed out James, Brian did an awesome job of sharing that um, a lot of James is built on and references the Sermon on the Mount. So when we look back at that, when we look at Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So if we say that suffering is not about self, but we have Bible verses like this, and say Romans 8.28, right? Where, where we're looking for those, those blessings, and it appears, so hang with me on that word for a minute, it appears that that is promised to us, but let's be careful because in both of these instances, let's look at the one that we have standing right in front of us right here. We look, and, and I think grab too easily, about the inheritance that is in the second part of that verse before we've lived out the life of the first part. So let's read the verse again. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. That's a promise of inheritance after a life lived of seeking Examples are always helpful to contextualize things. So I, I mentioned suffering is not about self, and I also mentioned hunting. So I just did finish, indeed, a hunting season. And sadly, although there's a picture of a deer right here, and maybe that didn't... Yeah, you can see it. It's right, right there. Right there. I'll give you a synopsis. It's 20 yards broadside right in front of me. That's about a picture-perfect shot. doesn't get any better. Sadly, that's not a legal deer, so I just sat there and watched it patiently patiently, right? So this deer season was very much an attitude that it it's, wasn't about myself, and, and it's just a microcosm, though. It's a smaller example, but here's what this season was really about. If I take a better perspective, an eternal perspective, one that really is going to matter more than just a couple of days of the season, I got to spend about three days in almost complete solidarity in a tree, just experiencing beautiful weather and beautiful, the, just the beautiful creation of God. So I, I have a picture over there, just sunrises, sunsets, and just a day, just in prayer and meditation, and just appreciating God. And then I also got some really awesome time with some of folks that are dear to me. So I have uh, a really good friend there who's walking ahead of me, and then I have Keely here with the board, and I don't know if you can see it, but this is a fun picture so right here is Xavier. Um, he's, he's walking, and I, I kind of maybe might have lost him. So for perspective, those weeds are like this high. And so it's just, you know, when you see in the movies, it's like the dinosaur coming, and you just see the stuff moving. And it's just like, you know, I just saw like a little Xavier head moving around. For the, but it, it's awesome, and that's what made this season bountiful, not necessarily that deer harvest, right? I, I would have loved to have gotten a deer, Sure. But that wasn't the, the most important thing about the season. So that's a small perspective. I'm going to give you a larger one in a second here. Let's look through to verse 11. It says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endured. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Well, surely, if we think about patience and suffering, man, what an example of Job right? 
And if, if you need some encouragement about the, the awesomeness of God, just check out the end of Job, where he speaks with Job about who he is. Whew, that'll put you in your seat, right? But, but watch the, the words here, the end intended by the Lord. Right? Think about Job in that circumstance. We have the ability of hindsight right now in the story of Job. And so we know the end intended by the Lord and agree can affirm, even in this example, that the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But Job in that position, he didn't know the end, but relied on the end to the degree of which he had faith that the Lord was compassionate and merciful and that that was going to be his end, that the glory of the Lord was going to be the end. So he didn't know exactly how that was going to play out, right? But if you look at the 30,000-foot synopsis of Job, it was that he relied on the character of God. So as we sit in our lives now, let's put that into, into our shoes, basically. Surely, and, and hopefully, maybe we're not earthly going through the suffering that Job did, but we have been talking some about suffering today, and putting that into perspective of the end intended by the Lord. So we don't know what the exact end is going to be, but we, just like Job, need to walk in the fact that God is compassionate and merciful. Rely on that. And that the end intended by the Lord is good, and that the perspective of, if we look here, take and look at some of these verses, and what James is drawing out to us, the world, if you will, in this life is in verses 1 through 6. But watch the continual reminders as we read some of our verses from today. Right? Until the coming of the Lord in verse 7. In verse 8, the coming of the Lord is at hand. 9, behold, the judge is at the door. Right? He, he's continually drawing in these short sections our perspective, not to ourselves right now, but to eternity. So I'll give you a different example, one that is hard for me to share, but I think is a proper perspective, and I'd like to share with you. So I talked about suffering is not about self. One of the things that I have been suffering through, and I would actually use this, not like the hunting example that I did, but I would actually use this for this one, is I have been suffering with some immediate family relationships, and they haven't been great, and they hurt me sometimes. Not that those people hurt me, but where I would love those relationships to be and where they are now is that causes me suffrage. And what I'm trying to walk out recently is the perspective that I have this association that what's important or what I want to be in front of me is like a close relationship of like a brother or a son. But that might not be possible or it might not be the most appropriate thing for me to establish in that relationship, because even more so than that, is if, if I can't even stand on that, and I do care about these people, I need to understand that I am likely to be the best example, not the perfect example, certainly not. Likely to be the best example that is in these people's lives, to show them in verse 10. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. I'm likely to be the best example to speak the name of the Lord, not to pull myself out, not to like lay claim and pull myself out of that suffering, but to actually share 
the Lord with these people and through these relationships that may or may not be where I intend them or want them to be. One of the things that James continually walks us through in this book, and one of the things that I think it's been great that we've been trying to grab as a teaching team, is to take some immediate action and then to take some more dig in through the week in our life groups. So we have some time to build it in right now, and there's, there's two questions here. My encouragement would be to slow down, to be honest with yourselves. We're not going to, to wrap into groups. This is something for you guys to work with yourself here. But take some time, and we're going to address the, what, you're, what you ask yourselves, what you're doing to establish your heart. And then as, as we look further, we'll spend a, a minute or two on that. And then what are you suffering through in life? And again, try to put this into the perspective of we're not maybe talking about a, a lost near season, but lay down what you're really suffering through in life. So take a couple of minutes, and we're going to close with verse 12 in a minute, and I'll bring us all back uh, with a gentle reminder first, and then uh, we'll all come back. But go ahead, uh, spend some time on that, and just dwell and reflect on those two questions. There's some other ones. Uh, if you have that notes page, please grab it if you didn't so far. There's some other questions for you to work through in your life group, but just just start, prime the pump, if you will, with these two here. Be patient, establish our hearts, right? So what we're talking about here, what I wanted to highlight was um, looking at some of the core or fundamental disciplines of our faith. So think about your quiet times. Think about reading the word and, and the pattern and the habit that that is. Think about our interactions with one another. And I would say prayer included as well in that. Does that help frame that out? Awesome. All right, so hopefully that's enough to kind of start to prime the pump, if you will. Again, there's, there's more questions there, and there's a lot more depth there. Uh, the goal of these times that we're spending reflecting on these questions now as opposed to just giving to them to you to take later is to really make sure that we are, we're acting on what we're covering and what we're digging into in James here. And so hopefully you can spend some time uh, today or this week with those questions. And again, there's a couple of, I think, better group questions there to help uh, with some discussion. So certainly want to close, not, not James, but the section that we're covering today with a statement of, but above all, seems a little bit ridiculous to not cover that. Uh, so we're going to, don't worry. Everybody calm down. You guys seemed a little worked up, but not actually. Um, so above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest, judge, lest you fall into judgment. What James is talking about here is something that uh, I'm going to, if you can see on your note sheets, you can join me, but we're going to also reference a couple of other positions in James, that of, that of 1, 22 through 25. I'll read this real quickly to you here. But be doers of the words and not of the word and not hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. This one will be blessed in what he does. If we pick up in chapter 2, we look at verses 14 through, six, through 26. This is the section that 
that Dave covered of faith without works is dead. And it, it closes with this. For as a body without a spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And I'm linking those together here with 5.12 to show that in all of this, James is trying to drive down that we are to have you know, fundamentally integrity, right? We are to be pure of heart, active in faith, and our character is to be true, right? So that's what this is saying here. He's like, don't just, uh, you know, flippantly say, oh, yeah, well, absolutely, I will do that, or, or, or be exuding, if you will, who, one person, and then, you know, over here, either not doing it or saying something completely contrary. Because that's, that's like the man who goes and forgets himself in the mirror. What you're doing is not really meaning it, and you're not really applying it. And that's James's exportation here above all. And so with that and, and that call for character and that call for the pure of heart, we talked about patience and suffering and all of this. And I already mentioned it once, but James mentions it three times, so I'm going to mention it one more time. But all of this is in the perspective of this, right? That the coming of the Lord is imminent in seven, that we are to see the coming of the Lord at hand in eight. But all of this builds for the end intended by God. And that's, that's what it captures. The end intended by God. James is pointing it all back, our patience and our suffering and everything that we've been working through for the end intended by God. And that's where we're going to close today, that we focus our hearts on that end. And if we look through... And I'm going to invite the worship team, and they're going to step up here in a second. And they're going to sing Christ is Enough, right? And if we look through the pages of Scripture, surely there's no, nothing more clear than an end intended by God with the compassionate and merciful Lord of giving His Son Christ. That's what we're talking and, and rolling all of James into. Father, we thank You that, God, You, you give us certainly exhortation in James God, but that you are so tender and, and merciful and compassionate, God, that you also are very clear that that is, is also so much of who you are. And we thank you that you call each one of us, God, to a, a relationship with you and one that is, is not passive, God, that it's not uh, shallow, God, but you call us just for a deep relationship, a personal relationship, and that through that we build the things that we talked about today with patience and understand the position of suffering, God, and that we, we sit here and we just sit in awe of the end intended by you of compassion and mercy.